You're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast with your hosts, Robert Gowan, Rudy Lindsay, Mike Pritz, and Kat Kalin. Hey, Tosh. Hey, how are you? Hey, good, man. What's going on? Not too much. Yeah, where are you at? That looks like a cool little uh, flat there. Yeah, I'm up in, up in Boulder, living at home. I uh, got a nice office. Sweet. Just doing the thing. Yeah. Because you're originally from uh, Rochester. That's right. I, um, you know, after you spend 21 years in the military, you travel all over the place and you see a whole bunch of different places. Never, never had an opportunity to serve in the Midwest. And uh, Nicole and I, we, we've traveled to Boulder a lot. You know, dated, got some friends out here. And we've always thought ah, it'd be nice to live out there. And finally, we did it. Oh, that's awesome! So you just picked up and yeah. moved the uh, the whole family then? No, um, no. So I get my kids stay in Virginia with the next wife, and then. Uh, Nicole and I just bought this big piece of property up in the mountains, and we just kind of stayed tucked away. Yeah, that's awesome. You had a pretty busy Fourth of July weekend here. Yeah, I was the um, I was the athletic director for the Triumph Games, and um, what a fabulous what a fabulous time that was. Ten adaptive athletes, actually, you know, and uh, adaptive veterans, and we just put them through a uh, a competition, a, a week long competition up at West Point, and. Just trying to demonstrate their capabilities, you know, they're not victims. Uh, the veteran, the veteran plight, trying to beat that, you know. So, uh, just amazing, amazing people. Their talents, their abilities, their attitudes, their perseverance. I mean, you, you pick any one of the the characteristics they have them in spades. I never knew anything about the games, to be quite honest with you. So I decided to go out there and Google it to learn more about it. And I understand it's going to be televised as well on CBS. And it was last year. And I watched the video from last year and was very inspired by a lot of these athletes overcoming different types of adversity. And I love what one of them said about passion and purpose, that if once you find that passion or purpose, do whatever it takes to make it happen. And I thought, wow, that's just... That's perfect because that's one of the things we really try to talk about a lot on this podcast is finding whatever your purpose or passion is and then go after it. It's really inspiring. You know, last year's Triumph Games was was a proof of concept, and um, they proved that there was interest. And this year, we we absolutely shattered a um, hundredfold times what what was done last year. Really excited. Be on CBS Sports. Uh, be on the network around Veterans Day, Army Navy Games. So looking forward to it. What kind of events do the veterans do out there during the games? Or is it like a, um, I guess I've never heard of it either. So just a, an explanation on what kind of things they're doing. Yeah, most most people haven't heard it. Um, it wasn't very well communicated last year. You know, again, proof of concept. And, and now that it's out there, this year was completely different. Um, they brought me on board to try to make it challenging, try to make it different it's not a it's not an invictus games or a warrior games where you have a, a shot putter is going to show up and throw the shot put and then a swimmer is going to show up and swim in categories of different classifications of injuries this is picking 10 individuals putting them on a tv show uh so number one this is a, a television production that's used to correct the american narrative on on veteran success um and we used competition as a platform to do that and i pretty much just abused them. So I did. I treated <laughs> oh them my gosh. as if, okay. yeah, I just treated them as if they were just like you and I, you know, I don't see, I don't see disfiguration. I don't see loss of limb. I, I just don't, I don't look at it. I don't focus on it. 
You know, I'm I'm male. This is a female. I don't look at women uh, be, with all these limitations. I just, hey, I'm male. They're female. We help both have different characteristics. And that's how I kind of look. That's the lens I look through when I look at these athletes. And so I didn't change the rules. It's not adaptive sports. Uh, they're adaptive athletes, meaning they adapt to the challenges that we present them. Mother Nature, life, they don't change the she, – she doesn't change the rules because I've lost an arm or a leg, uh, lost an arm or a leg serving my country. They are the ones that have to reintroduce different decision-making patterns and problem-solving skills and leverage other abilities that they have to solve complex situations. And, and that's what we're looking to do. So I put them through anything and everything – the West Point cadet courses, the in indoor obstacle course test that the cadets do, the obstacle course, the water obstacle course, uh, physical challenges, and I did not change any rules. Wow. And we watched them perform marvelously. And, you know, what I told them repeatedly over the course of the week was, you will not impress me. And they're like, oh, we will, we will. I was like, you're not going to impress me because I already know you're capable of doing these things. So therefore, you're, you're, you're not. You, you might make me really, really happy. I might, I might share a lot of excitement at how well you do, but I'm, I'm not going to be impressed because I already look at you differently than America. I, I just really have a hard time creating artificial obstacles and artificial boundaries for individuals because of my own stereotypes or because of my own issues. And um, I refuse to let anybody do that for them, refuse to let them increase extra special safety parameters because they're right. – Walking wounded, like it just doesn't make any sense. It's an insult to me to do that to these guys. And I could ramble about this all day. I'm so excited. Spent two days. I just came off of the games, uh, and and just sitting here just with a giant smile on my face for what these guys did. Especially with veterans coming back, amputees, PTSD, anything like that. It's they they kind of are so well. Any of us are labeled immediately, and a lot of times I think vets they. They kind of, they lean on that label. So for you to look at them like nothing is wrong with them and there isn't anything wrong with them. They just, circumstances happen and this is what they, they like you said, they have to adapt to their new lifestyle. I mean, that's a good kick in the butt that I think all veterans really need is that just because this happened to you, but it doesn't defy who you are. And I'm going to put you through all of these events and obstacles to prove to you that this doesn't defy who you are. So that, I mean, that's what you're doing for those vets. And, you know, I always like to say the domino effect of what happens, you know, they're going to go out there and inspire other veterans that they don't need to lean on that label that society puts on them. So, I mean, hats off to you for doing that because it's, that's absolutely incredible. Yeah. You know, they, they don't want to be charity cases. Um, they want to, they, I, I can, I can, I can, we'll do, we'll do. That's just the mindset that they have. And, you can't treat him. You know, I would hear like, oh, well, he doesn't have he doesn't have a leg. And my, my response to that was not my problem. It's not my problem. He doesn't have a leg. Here's the task at hand. He'll solve it. This person, you know, so, so not my problem. We don't we don't just go changing the rules. We don't go changing events. And and it creates a mindset for him because you're right that we, we do. We, we, we mean the greatest meaning others. We, we mean the most or we mean the greatest when it's like, hey, we're going to try to help these guys and we're going to give them this and we're going to give them that. And it's it's unintentional that we actually create weirdness. I'm going to use the word weirdness so I don't swear. But um, it's <laughs> uh, it's like this, you know, um, when, I, when, when I was in when I was serving uh, company commander out in Pendleton somewhere doing something, I would always treat the boys like men. 
you know, um, <clears throat> because if you treat a boy like a boy, he's going to grow up to be a 36 year old boy. Yeah. If you treat a boy like a man, um, you put expectations on him in your heart. You might be like, oh, man, I don't want to do this in the back of your mind. You might be like, oh, man, I just want to go easy on him. But, you know, rationally that you can't you have to go hard on him. And so you treat them like men. They grew up to be men because the enemy's not going to treat them like boys. The enemy's not going to, you know, oh, well, you ran out of ammunition, so I'm not going to try to kill you. Like, the right. enemy's not thinking that. Right, so right. You, you have to create these patterns in life. And it's the same thing that we do for our, uh, whether it's the disabled veterans or whether it's returning veterans with delayed onset combat stress or post-traumatic stress or just adjustment issues. And we, we try to help them. We try to like, oh, this veteran's in need. We try to, we mean really, really well. But what we're doing is we're creating a pattern that we're going to have dependent veterans for the rest of their lives. Yes. We don't want that. We want to enable them. We want to challenge them. And so it's you have to be very smart about how you stimulate them and encourage them and support them. You know, then the whole other side of the conversation is that there's a lot of organizations that use the I'm helping veterans uh, as some bullshit reason to, to be selfish or stingy and it's just kind of a cover story and, and that ruins it all for for everybody and, and they're out there there's probably oh, just as many of them out there as there are the good ones that mean well and there's very few that that do it phenomenally well with with the mindset that we're talking about right here you're taking the sensitivity out of the situation because nowadays everybody wants to be so sensitive about you know certain things that happen to veterans and that and that's where the label begins and where we start to believe like, oh, this is happening. People expect, you know, feel bad for them because this happened and they need to take baby steps. And it's like, no, we need to get them on the right track as fast as possible because the more that you delay and are sensitive to, you know, something that, like you said, it's not their, it's not your problem that they're not missing, that they're missing a leg or an arm or whatever. But what you're trying to do is not make it everyone's problem so i i just yeah i'm like in awe of what you're doing for well, and you're this in, is exactly what we need you're empowering them so much by doing that and i know that's some of your background too though tosh is really in dedicated to athletic excellence and leadership in sports and so this kind of goes along with that in, in your role dealing with triumph games is trying to empower them instill that confidence that what you had in the military prior to whatever adversity you came upon you still have that. It's still you. You you haven't lost it. We're a product of our experiences. You know, we're not who we wish to be. We're not who we used to be. We're just simply a product of our experiences. And I think for me, I've always just genuinely been a certain way. So when I when I look at things, I have a, I have an eye for consistency and an eye for authenticity. And it's just kind of how I'm wired to look at look at scenarios, situations, people, relationships. And I know deep inside, the two things that make me tick are a sense of purpose and feeling valued. If, if you can give me a sense of purpose and you can treat me with courtesy and respect and just exude to me that you genuinely value me, I'll do anything for you, uh, absolutely anything. And keeping in that theme with consistency and authenticity, that's all I try to do for others. That's all I try to do when I interact with you at the grocery store and I don't know you or have you over for dinner because you're my friend or when I'm employed by you and have to provide you a service. It's the same thing over and over and over again. And that's just what makes people tick. They seem to be magnetized by that. Uh, yeah. They do wonderful, amazing things. I, yeah, I guess you could call it leadership. I guess you could call it teamwork. Put, put whatever you want on it. But when you distill it down 
it's just who I am. Other people may be different, but I tend to magnetize and, and people with like-minded sense, sense inside of them gravitate towards me. And it, and it seems like we do do wonderful things together. That's, that's just kind of where I'm at. So take us back to Rochester. Here you are back in Rochester and you decided that I want to go serve my country. What, what was the calling? What was the reason that kind of came up that you've decided that this is it? I, I, and I want to go in the core. Oh, man, I don't know if I want to go there. You know, it's not this. <laughs> hey, it's not it's not a great sexy story. It's probably, you know, everybody wants to hear, oh, I wanted to be a Marine all my life. And oh, it's man, it's so funny that you're bringing that up. Naval Academy wanted me to say that when I talked. They they all looking for that great story. Well, here's here's the real deal is um, I got out of I got out of high school and I was lost. Didn't know what I wanted to be, who I wanted to be. An inner conflict uh, that I didn't even know. I wasn't even mature enough to know that it was an inner conflict, and it was just expressing itself in 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 behaviors that weren't conducive to being a a, a member, a positive member of community or family. Got in some trouble doing some community service. Got in some more trouble. <laughs> dropped out of college because the baseball season was over. I mean, next thing you know, it's uh, I'm in court, and the judge is like, "Hey, it's you're gonna you're gonna have to take a serious look at yourself." Which is funny also because um, Judge Steinwalks, amazing, amazing man, West Point graduate, a career Army officer, was the judge in Churchville, New York. He's He just reached out to my folks. Uh, I'm headed back for a wedding this summer. And I'm going to go visit him because he's really – he's the one, him and John Van Dorp, uh, you need to make a decision. You're going to go to industry, juvenile. Uh, are you going to continue to lead this bad path and you're going to look like that guy sitting over there on the other end of the courtroom? Or are you going to go into the military service? And I was like, okay, I'm going to teach my parents a lesson. I'm going to go in, I'm going to go in the service. <laughs> and so I went down to the recruiter. I'll teach my parents. I'm, I'll show you. I'm going to leave. I'm going to join the, I'm going to join the service. I'm going to join the air force. I got a friend in the air force. He's been there for four years. He's been promoted 55 times and he's got house, kid, dogs. So I might as well join the air force. I walked into that recruiter and he said, no, thank you. You're oh, not wow. what we're looking for. And I was just like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, you're just, you're, you're trouble. You're, you're not worth it. Um, we have plenty of people applying. Sorry. And I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. And walking out the door, um, staff Sergeant Allen puts his hand around my shoulders. He's like, what's up, son? I was like, yeah, man, that so-and-so, he, he just told me I wasn't good enough. He's like, come on in here. I'll take care of you. And I walked into the Marine recruiters and he says, what do you want to do? I said, I just want to do cool stuff. I just want to jump out of planes and shoot guns and run around the woods and be a dude. And he's like, sign here. <laughs> Nine days later, I'm at Paris Island. <laughs> oh, my God. So that, that's the Cinderella story, right? Like, uh, oh, I wanted to be a Marine all my life. And, but you're, you know, like a recruiter's, and you're like a recruiter's dream. I mean, you walk in the door. You're, I mean, you're ready to go right now. I mean, that's, that's like a recruiter's dream. And the fact that you still remember that guy's name, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, how can you forget? He was that instrumental. Um, those three of those individuals, um, John Van Dorp, Judge Steinwalks, and Stash on Ellen. And uh, here's here's the kicker. It's not um it's it's not it's not to be self indulgent. I graduated honor grad from boot camp, so I went from here to here um, in a very short period of time. When I was woken up, my life is significantly different now just because of uh, because of all that. You had a very interesting past as well as it continued on. I mean, let's face it, you went on to Iraq and during that time frame in 2003 came into a, a very heated situation. The write-ups always sound so much sexier than the actual event. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we got ambushed, you know. Um, 
Here's the deal. If it would have went, if it would have went any other way, I would have be the, I would be the dumbass lieutenant on a what not to do story. Right. It right. just so happened that I had some ridiculously amazing, talented, loyal, badass Marines that I worked with that trusted me, and they were, um, they were brilliant that day, and so that's that's basically it. I had enlisted in the Marine Corps, and then I was offered a commissioning package, so then I got commissioned. And um, I was a lieutenant, so I, I rejoined. When you get commissioned, you go right back to the bottom of the ranks, and you just do your time, and you learn a whole lot, and you gain the experience that you need at, at the appropriate enlisted officer pipeline. I had, I had seen some low-intensity conflict um, in Africa before that as an enlisted guy, but, you know, nothing like this. Uh, they always say, too, that the enlisted going officer – those officers are the best because they've, they've shared the time of the enlisted, especially, I mean, in the army side, that's, that's one thing that I've learned. The best officers that I've ever worked with were enlisted before instead of coming right out of a commission. I don't know. I, I think that's crap. Uh, <laughs> you think that's crap? <laughs> like a lot of really phenomenal officers that were prior enlisted and they, they set the example and the standard for those, for everybody else to take credit. Right, the Mustangs. A whole bunch of Mustangs get credit for those phenomenal officers that were enlisted first. There's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of officers that never served enlisted, and they're phenomenal, phenomenal. I would say there's probably more of those than there are the other way around. And the enlisted, you know, I have baggage for my enlisted days. I was unduly familiar with the Marines, um, different different things, habits and stuff that made me uh, that that I was groomed as an enlisted guy. Um, that I didn't really break into that polished officer corps, um, get out of the Marine Corps. I'm not ready to go to be a lieutenant colonel and do this politicking. It's not my style. Right. Um, I'll tell you what, I know I know a tremendous number of enlisted Marines who would make phenomenal officers and they choose to stay enlisted. And so, you know, I just like to be careful and correct that because, every, you know, I walk around and be, oh, Mustang, you're the best kind of officer. And I'm just like, yeah, hey, that's you're just giving me credit for something that I don't I don't deserve credit for. You can give me credit for what I've done, who I am. Um, but don't just give me credit for something just because I have a I have a certain name or a, a program or a pattern with it. So I, I always try to it's just the way the cards way. fell yeah. for you. Well, that, that's interesting. I mean, just because I from my experiences, that's one, one thing that I saw. But like you said, I mean, it. It's the individual and how you how your cards are played for you and the opportunities that are brought upon. So, thank you for the clarification. Yeah, no worries. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I just no, no, you're good. <laughs> so you got out in 2013, separated as a major, and from that, I know you've probably had a chance to reach back and talk to some of your brothers and sisters in arms back there about that transition. What have you found to be some of the greatest challenges from going from military service to the private sector? Yeah, you know, there's there's a handful, and I don't know if they're necessarily challenges common to all, or you know, my specific challenges. Um, I'm I'm used to communicating a certain way, and I, I found that that's a big challenge for me, um, tempering how I communicate because uh, sometimes it's a perceived as aggressive or confrontational when it's really just matter of fact or exploratory or the way that I need to process um, information so that I can serve. You know. Um, I'm intense. I like, I, I have a, it's funny, I'm having a conversation with a really, really good buddy and um, I just have a taste for excellence. And I get frustrated because good is good enough for so many people out there. And my upbringing, uh, my service, the situations that I was in, good enough got people killed. Good enough got a lot of people killed. 
So I've acquired this specific taste for excellence, and it's very, very hard for me. I have a very, very strong value structure. If I don't feel respected or valued, um, if I question your authenticity and on the lines of integrity, uh, I'm broken with you. I have a very hard time working with you. So those are the challenges that I face. I suspect those may be common to to, to many, but I, I can't speak, you know, at large for that. You know, my transition, I'm going to take your question and go someplace different. Uh, give some advice to everybody transitioning. So I retired 20, almost 21 years, um, retired. And everybody gave me advice about transition and get your job lined up and do this and do that. And, you know, and, and this transition became an actual step, uh, a goal. I had to, boom, hit that. And I was like, yeah, why? Why am I rushing this transition? The transition is just the same as everything else. It's a process. It's going to be what it's going to be. And when I treated it as a process and whether I enjoyed it or I just moved through it as it's like, hey, it's, it's what you need to do, the transition started to be what it was going to be and where I landed was where I was supposed to land. Um, too many people, they get out, whether it's because of poor financial planning while they were in or because of decisions that they made or because of family. Like, I don't know, but they're rushed the rush to finish the transition, like the checking the block that they have to do to get to the good stuff. And I'll tell you, if you rush that process or you treat it like a check in the block where you land next, most likely is not going to be the good stuff. Right. So just work through the transition and do it correctly. So I just took your conversation just real quick. Cause well, thing that I talk about a lot. <laughs> yeah. I think it's great. what's incredible. What's incredible about that is all of the guests that we've had, and a lot of it we ask, you know, about their transition and how things have gone. And they all say, you're, like you just said, it's a process. And to give yourself time to get through that process and don't look at the end goal. And I think that's what, you know, we're always immediate, immediate. We need to have this now. But like you even said, it's just like it's something that you have to go through whether you like it or not. But you're go like we like to tell people like you're going to make it through and it will land you to where you need to be. So for you saying that just, you know. Don't don't look at it as, you know, this is not like I have to do this. Check the block right now. It's it is a process and it does. It, some people don't realize it takes others longer than some, but you'll make it through regardless of the, the positive or negative impacts on your life. You worded it differently, but it's like the same message that all of our guests have have had on here. And it's just we're seeing a, a trail of this. Yeah, definitely a trend. I've seen a lot of people actually start posting here recently, Tosh, that. They want you to uh, run for president of the U.S. They want yeah, to? yeah. I've actually seen. I can't believe you haven't seen that yet. Social media has started talking about writing your name in on the ballot. That's America's cry for help, is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's America's cry for help. Uh, the situation that we're in, really, it's sad. But you know, I don't know. Like, I, I would be lying to you if um, I, I would be lying if I didn't say that that made me feel kind of good because it does but i also know that um I'm, I'm prouder i'm prouder of the things that occurred in fallujah than i am of what happened during the war um the actions and the activities and the experience was a thousand times more horrific more intense up close to personal um 
of the job we did, of the complexity of the task that we did, uh, our, our unit specifically, that you know, our company, but our battalion, the, the task that it had and the, the such a small amount of casualties that we had because of all the way from Colonel Pat Millay down through the ranks and, and, and stuff. like. But you don't read about that. You read about a Navy Cross citation and it's sensational and it's like, but you know, who I was and the work and the effort of the team there, that's really indicative of, of talent and really indicative of planning and organization and success. And, you know, not, not, and not taking anything away from the 2003 March up in the war in that team, because there's a lot of phenomenal things there too. Um, but personally, and so people are all, they'll say, I get a whole bunch of undue credit for what a piece of paper, because of 10, 10 seconds or 10 minutes of my life, I made one decision in a split second because I just happened to see what needed to be done. And I was the person in charge at the time. And yet that one little piece of paper, that one little award now all of a sudden gives me credit, like, because I now I can run for the, I can run a country or anything that I say now has a ton of legitimacy. You could ask me uh, at the, you'd see it at the Naval Academy. Um, and I was very, very sensitive to it because I didn't want to ruin these kids' lives. Unfortunately, a lot of my peers would. But just take the credit that you're due. Take responsibility for what you're doing. Deny what you're not. And they would ask you ask you questions. Oh, sir, what do you think I should do? You know, I'm going to Navy. You'd be like, hey, I, I'm not an expert there. That's not my lane. Let me let you talk to this person. Or, sir, what do you think about politics in the Middle East? Everybody wanted to ask me, like, hey, I, I don't know. Why, why are you asking me? Well, you got the Navy Cross. Like, you know, you're giving me undue credit for things. Um, and and so while you know we started out like hey run for president it kind of in jest or joke how does it make me feel but there's a bigger thing there you know you, you got to just be really really careful you have to be very self-aware especially when you're put in position of responsibility this this mantle of of responsibility command this burden um it's beautiful but if you're not self-aware you could do a lot of great harm yeah. And I, I read these books by these guys. They want to tell their story because their, their story is so much better than anybody else's. And they need to be heard. And I read these books and they're saying these things. And I'm like, this is the worst thing that you could be writing down for everybody to read. You know, midshipmen come up or Marines come up or, sir, did you read this book? Oh, my God. Da, da, da. I'm like, oh, man, that's, that's one dude's experience. Um, very, very small. Uh, a slice of time from one angle and the fact that he's putting it in a book, I question whether he's putting it in a book for you or putting it in the book for himself. Yeah. And it's dangerous. It can be very dangerous. No, and we see it all the time. Both of us do. I mean, you're going to see it from all different branches of the service, whatever they did. Uh, there, there's a lot of that that's going on out there. And and I think it's it continues the rhetoric or the, the issues that we were talking about in the very beginning of the show of how people start viewing the military veterans uh, labeling them, you know, if everything's always a movie action series, uh, everybody is going down there and throwing bullets down range. You know, that's all you do for a living is killing people. You're going to have a, it's going to portray the wrong perspective of what the military is really all about. It's about the the camaraderie, the leadership, the uh, the values, the the traits, the ethos that you receive while you're on active duty that carry you through the rest of your life. I mean, I, I know from my own experience, those things that I obtained while I was on active duty are the reason, a lot of the reason I am who I am today. 
because it taught me those things early on in life and made such a strong impression. And it sounds like it did with you as well. Uh, I know you do a lot of leadership speaking and uh, especially a lot of it around the fitness activity and stuff like that. But are you are you going out and, and doing a lot of stuff with youth as well on top of that? or? Um, I don't even know what I do right now. Um, I do a lot, but I don't. It seems like I'm always busy, but I, you know, um, yeah. I'll tell you what I'm not doing is I'm not seeking anything. Yeah. It's starting to, it's starting to find me and I get to pick and choose. I'm in this wonderfully fortunate position where I can pick and choose the things in the, that I want to get involved in things that I believe in things that give me a sense of purpose and, and will return on that, you know, make me feel valued because I'm, I'm offering them something. And so I just kind of wait and people call me up and I say, yes, or I say, Hey, I'm not interested. And, uh, I like, I'm fascinated with people. I like interacting with people, establishing relationship. My leadership style is very relationship um, model. And, I seek, I seek those kind of opportunities, whether it's taking groups out into the woods or it's, you know, in a fitness facility, in the gym, or it's interacting one-on-one -on -one with, um, executive coaching, um, picking up this triumph games thing, um, that was, that, that I was asked to do, uh, just these small little things that have tremendous value in, in, uh, just really aligned with what I believe in. So, well, that's the reason why I asked you about the youth, because it sounds like it really fits in well with trying to teach those same types of traits or make giving them that confidence empowering them those things that you can make an impression on with somebody early on in life yeah this this travis Mannion foundation is exceptional um i'm really really trying to pursue getting involved with them a little bit more they were the nonprofit partner for the triumph games this year i've got a lot of fr close friends in the travis Mannion foundation and connections so that was actually it's how i got the job with the triumph games was they Triumph Games and Travis Mannion started to do some discussions and then Travis Mannion Foundation, um, you know, Josh told Mayor, hey, you probably should call this guy because I think you're going to need some help. And so it was just kind of a neat little circle of people with shared values and, um, you know, Power Home Remodeling was the title sponsor for uh, the Triumph Games this year. They couldn't have been a more perfect fit because I think there's relationships now that between Travis Mannion, their mission and their goals and, and what they do and Power's. Um, mission goals and, and veteran outreach programs. I think there's a nice relationship there. And I think I'll see myself doing a, a few things along those lines, but just great, great organization, Travis Mannion Foundation. Um, character does matter. If not me, then who? And it's a look it up if you haven't, if you haven't. No, I haven't. Stuff going on there. Yeah, I'll definitely go check it out. Where is it that people can find more about you? Anything coming up in the near future other than the Triumph Games show on CBS? I don't know, man. I I, I try not to be, be reached out to. Um, <laughs> if you need me and you know somebody who knows me, that's the best way. I think right now um, just kind of keeps it in that way things get vetted, right? I, know, I have relationships with people, and they know that I'm not going to put them in touch with somebody that I don't value. Right. I'm not going to just try to exploit them, and, and that, that – there's a reciprocity there um, with how that they interact. Somebody, hey, I want somebody to say, well, it kind of gets vetted and then it, then it comes to me, you know. I'll never try to put a contact in touch with another contact if I don't believe in one or I don't think that there's a, a, a uniquely attractive opportunity for both. Um, so 
that said, I'm, I'm working, you know, uh, Nicole, my, my partner here, she's amazing. She's been urging me for years to, you know, get something on paper and do this and get a website up. And uh, I just, I really don't like the idea of doing that because I don't want to be associated uh, with everybody else that's doing it. And I, I don't really think that their stuff is that good. And they're just kind of preying on people that don't know any better. Good is good enough. Uh, so I don't know if you want excellence, you find somebody and, and it'll, it'll land on my desk. And that way I know that, Hey, I can have that taste it, eat it right with you. I, I can tell that you don't like people to constantly congratulate you on your achievements and how you are. But one thing that I've noticed is with our conversation, I've actually gotten a lot of clarity because I've been struggling with a, a bunch of different things. Just, you know, a lot of veterans, we're constantly wanting to go out there and like have that purpose. And when you were talking earlier about how, you know, you kind of just let the events come to you and you got to pick and choose what made you happy as an individual. And I think that's really important. That just really stood out to me because I found myself constantly trying different things and being like a scatterbrain out there, you know, wanting to find this fulfillment that I had in the military, not so much the events that happened with, with me, but you know, the camaraderie and, and the, I guess taking all the way back to basic training when you felt like, and you know, you're a part of something. It's nice to hear from a fellow vet, be patient and, and let the clarity come to you and, and find the happiness. And, and I'm, I know you're just, you're not the type that's wanting the high five, but it's nice to hear it, especially from an individual like myself who for you saying like, hey, it's okay to be patient and, and let the happiness come to you with what you want. Thank you for that. And I know a lot of our listeners are going to thank you for that too. Thank you. If you had an opportunity to really mentor those on active duty or veterans today about what they can do, what what is some piece of advice that you could give back as far as mentoring if you were to give back? Wow. That's huge, right? That's huge. Be the best possible version of yourself. Everything else falls into place, really. Just be the best possible version of yourself. Everything falls into place. You know, I, I use this saying from a buddy of mine, Chris Smith, all the time. I, I, I reach out to him. He's one of my mentors. And he's just a 100% effort 100% of the time. And it's like, yeah, hey, no kidding, you know, um, no kidding. I like, I like to tell people just don't suck at life. It's pretty simple don't suck at life. Well, what does that mean? I don't know. Like say you're pleased and thank you. Treat others with courtesy and respect. Don't lie, cheat or steal. I mean, just don't suck at life. If you don't suck at life, you're going to do exactly what you need to do based off of who you are. Um, stop trying to write the, the, the complex algorithm. Everybody wants something really, really complex. And if it's too simple, it must not be good enough. I need to add more variables. I need to add more stuff to it. I need to write the book thicker, but really it, it's not, it's not that hard. In fact, there's the simplicity is what makes it so powerful. Be the best possible version of yourself. What's that mean? 100% effort, 100% of the time. And don't suck at life. I mean, that's kind of easy, kind of easy to do. Write it on your refrigerator, whatever, but um, or write it on a piece of paper, stick it on your refrigerator, the magnet, I suppose we do. But um, I think that's all I would offer. I mean, yeah. and these are things you learn in, in grade school. You know what I mean? Like this, it's like treat people with respect. And do yeah, be the so, best that you so can simple. be, you know? Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to apply thermodynamics that they learned, you know, in third year <laughs> undergrad studies. But, like, hey, it, it just doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like, save that for the for the something-something. Go back to the basics. You know, Joe Dunford, I mean, you're, you're hard-pressed to find a better Marine than him ever. 
brilliance in the basics brilliance in the basics you know he led the charge fifth marine regiment during the push in 2003 and his brilliance in the basics i don't care if you can do all this sexy stuff if you can be brilliant in the basics what more do you need to worry about everything else falls into place you know so how did you meet marciano great guy he's not i don't even like the guy come on <laughs> Uh, now we'll know if he's listening. Oh, he'll probably, yeah, definitely. Uh, Mark, Mark's an American, right? That's it. Yeah. He's an American. I met Mark through a friend way back. I don't even know what year it was. A couple dozen, two dozen and a half years ago or so. IOC, it must have been, it must have been like 2000, something like that. I can't even remember the date. And we were doing a primal quest. It was the, the it's the race that was formerly known as Eco Challenge, and we had an all marine team, and we were gonna go compete. And he was a he was a title sponsor for us, or not? I guess he wouldn't be a title sponsor, but he was our he was our big time sponsor. And the guy is just awesome, generous, generous, talented, smart, savvy, cool. He's just a dude. He's somebody that you want to be around. You want to be associated with. So Marciano and I have stayed touch off and on throughout the years. He's done a few other things. And now I find myself just closer and closer to him as we both. It's funny, you know, just take your time. Yeah. Just take your time. Enjoy the change. Just don't force anything. And now I find myself closer and closer to Mark than, than I ever was. And um, it's great. It's two good people trying to just align their strengths together to do something great for somebody else and yeah he's super he's giving back to veterans in a way of what all the things that he's doing of course he's sitting on the board of the boot campaign he's also involved with the the racing team and and how it's supporting veterans as well just you see the individuals that we have on the show that all like-minded they gravitate towards one another like you said you and mark are are closer because you're you're so like-minded and that's because goodness and and good people gravitate towards one another and can make the biggest difference. Uh, yeah, I, don't know, I, I could just add on it or just keep kicking the dead horse. But it's there's a synergy that's created when when it happens. It's just almost inevitable that it happens. Yeah, man, I appreciate you coming on the show. Appreciate you taking time out of your schedule and, of course, away from the, the beautiful scenery there in Colorado. Yeah, I'll get out here, find where I live, and you can come by, and I'll give you whatever you want. But uh, you got to find it. Yeah. <laughs> you got to find me. <laughs> we Tell have all the time. I got a, I got a CrossFit gym in the garage. I don't charge any money. If you can find it, you can come and use it whenever you want. That's awesome. You know, I got an extra bedroom, tons of land. Bring your camper, bring a town. I don't care. I'm here to share whatever, whatever you want. You know, um, <laughs> but you got to find it. Uh, awesome what it's all about my pleasure please my pleasure uh just appreciate you reaching out and being able to uh share a little of something take it or leave it i'm just selling a magazine you don't have to buy it you don't have to subscribe to it read one article don't read it at all it doesn't matter to me i'm just it's just nice to have an opportunity to share with a community who's um interested in in being shared with so thank you very much guys yeah no worries man appreciate it thank you so much Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and at Facebook by searching at Mentors, the number four M-I-L, and please subscribe to our podcast. It's free, and it ensures you're the first to hear our latest podcast show. We have several options depending upon your device, and we're at iTunes, SoundCloud, at Stitcher, and at TuneIn Radio.